We have such a rich heritage in Jesus. If you turn as we begin our final two studies here, a two-part message, and one big family. And I think it's such a special ending that Paul has to this particular epistle as he writes and, and he leaves, in essence, us reminded of this beautiful central truth to all of Scripture. None of us are an island. None of us can walk this walk alone. We need each other. The body of Christ is so much better together than it is alone. What we can accomplish with each other and through each other's gifts and giftedness uh, is really beyond our understanding. And so Paul is now going to give us a little bit of an insight and we'll really do the introduction to the end today because we find uh, this incredible brother, Tychicus, who comes into view for us. And as we begin to set the stage, think in your own life uh, of those whom God has used to touch you, to mold you, to shape you, to bless you. I think back on Pastor Brian and Pastor Chuck, Pastor Steve, men used in my life. I think on on those who are here right now serving in this church because things flow so seamlessly, you all really ever are aware of the many hands that God is using right now. Everything from the technology that we use to the facility maintenance and housekeeping and children's ministry teachers. There's hundreds of volunteers and another hundred staff that are right now making all of this function the way it does. Teaching the young ones, sitting at the front office answering phones. Every bit of that is really a picture of how Paul ends this letter. The value that we have with one another for king and kingdom. If you turn your attention to verse 7 here in Colossians 4, just two verses today. Tychicus, a beloved brother a faithful minister, a fellow servant. And remember, that's the understanding Jesus gave us. He said, the Son of Man didn't come into this world to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The heart of a servant, one who comes alongside The one who looks at others' needs first, who's other-centric. You see, the Lord showed us that pathway to servanthood. A fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. And I'm sending him to you for this very purpose. That he may know your circumstance. And comfort your hearts. A beautiful picture of how the body of Christ is supposed to function. 
Paul often closed his letters by sending personal greetings. And, and they were normally about himself and usually had the details of other things that were going on in ministry. And that really is life. And when you think about it, family, think about it from this perspective. As we sit here in this wonderful sanctuary, here in this beautiful facility, as we gather together as the body of Christ, the Lord is simultaneously working together the individual wills and plans and purposes, the things that you're doing and I'm doing and we're doing and the rest of the world's doing, of some seven billion people. He, he has each one of us in view personally and at the same time uses all of us corporately. It's mind-boggling. And so what happens in your life affects mine and what happens in mine affects yours. And what we do together, we accomplish things that we could not accomplish individually. We would not accomplish individually. Pastor Pat and Mary just came back from Uganda. Rob arrived yesterday from the Philippines. The rest of the team's coming Pastor Steph and Peggy are right now in Mazatlan. And yet the body here is actually unaffected by their being gone because of the richness of the gifts of the body of Christ as we join together as one big family. And surely their gifts are important to the function of the body of Christ. But as we allow ourselves to be used of the Lord, then there is no need in the body. We're used as the Lord's hands and feet and his mouthpiece. We get an opportunity, if you will, to then gather together for a common purpose to see his will done on earth as it is in heaven. God knows what he wants to accomplish. He's actually foreordained it. He's working right now in you and through you and to you to accomplish things with us together. And throughout Scripture, we see those who helped Paul along the way. Paul embodied this concept, this thought, that we are not in this alone. Sometimes we feel alone, don't we? Sometimes we feel like we're the only one who's been through that situation. Sometimes we feel as though we're battling this battle by ourselves. And yet you find behind the scenes as I so often get, and I'm sure many of you do as well, well, I'm praying for you. Been praying for you. Is there anything I can do? Is there something I can do to lift up your hands? You know, sometimes I have to tell you, I feel guilty. Because I'm so blessed to know that people are praying for me. It's like, well, maybe you should pray for somebody else. I have a lot of people praying for me. But I'm blessed at the same time because I know the enemy is trying to Come after all of us. And he, he certainly is coming after me and my family. But we're in it together. And I want to encourage you this morning. Paul, as energetic as he was, was part of a big family called the body of Christ. And so when you think about it, think about the need that we have one for another. The apostle uh, begins by telling us about a faithful friend. Someone that he could count on. Someone that when he thought on Tychicus's name, he, he's mentioned five times in, in the New Testament. Book of Acts, Ephesians, Timothy, Titus, the pastoral epistles. So we know this man was important. We don't know a lot about him, but we know one thing, and that was he could be depended upon. That whatever was needed, he would rise to the occasion. 
When, when Paul left Ephesus, he was accompanied by seven other believers, and among them was this man. He was an important part of how God worked through Paul's life. Do you ever consider yourself an important part of how God is working through someone else's life? You see, he's working through your life, but he's also working through your life in other people's lives, collectively. Because you're part of the body, you're part of the family. Now we're in Thanksgiving week, right? Many, if not most of us, maybe even all of us in this room will have family gatherings this week and we'll get together and have a wonderful Thanksgiving meal. But as is tradition at our house, if one person sat down to cook that meal, then the apricot salad is not going to get made. You know, that cloud, that marshmallow whipped cream thing that has everything in it except for meat um, that's not how, ha- you, you know, and, and some can bake pies, and, and there are some people, and you know this, there are some people in your family who should never touch a turkey, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And so you have the turkey person, and you have the, the green bean casserole. I'm making you all hungry, I realize that. But you have the, all of these gifts and, and distributed in the family are the abilities to pull these things together. And the person who can bake, and you have other people who should never touch anything with flour in it. And it's really a picture of the body of Christ. Because we each have gifts. We have strengths. But we also have weaknesses, don't we? There are things that you can't do that I can And there are things that I can't do that you can. There are things that I do well that you may do fairly poorly. And as we work together, you cover my lack and I cover yours. And together we make the family of God this beautiful thing that gathers around the supper table of the Lord where we feast together. We are one big family. And if we see each other that way, then we function at our very best. If you won't take your place, or I won't take mine, then the whole family suffers. You probably have all had that experience as well. You know, you leave in the hands of some family member, maybe it's the dessert. And they kind of sort of either wait too long, or maybe that pie doesn't come out right, and they stop by the store, and they grab something, you know, and bring it, and it's just not the same. You see, we also have responsibility one to another to bear each other's burdens and to care for one another and to fulfill that which God has called us to do. And so we see this faithful friend. Let's look at a few things in his life as as he's described here. And Antichicus and Omnisimus are, are together and they're talked of very often together and we'll look at him next week. But in describing Tychicus, notice what he says. He's a beloved brother. Put those things together. That's not just a brother, because some of us probably have the unfortunate understanding of maybe a brother we actually don't even like, amen? We can say that. There are people in our family, it's like you hope they don't show up to Thanksgiving. And I'm not saying that's a good thing, it's just like there's something between the two of you, and so someone shows up, it's like, oh man, not, no, could you just stay home? But he was a beloved brother. In other words, he was loved deeply. It's like, man, I can't wait to see him. He was a beloved brother. Family doesn't turn on family. We work it out. 
Family acknowledges we need each other. And we come running. When something happens, I'm there. Do you see yourself as beloved and as a brother, as a sister? Tychicus was also a, a faithful minister. Think about that for a second. As D.O. Moody rightly said, the greatest ability in ministry is dependability. Are you faithful? Wherever your calling is and whatever God's called you to, are you faithful in that calling as part of the body of Christ? Because it's so important to do that. It's so important to be that. Can you be counted on? You see, these two things are linked together. Actually, all of them are linked together, but these two especially so. One of the greatest ways to be beloved is to be faithful, amen? Someone who can be counted on. You could count on Tychicus to get the job done. He was one of those people that no matter what you gave him to do, he would either get it done or die trying, amen? That's a wonderful characteristic. And I think in our society, sometimes that's waned in the world that we live in. We don't see faithfulness. We don't see it in marriage. We don't see it in friendship. We don't see it in the workplace. I I say we bring back faithfulness. Steadfastness at work. He was also Paul's fellow servant, and I love the way this is phrased. Paul doesn't say to him, well, here's your position, and you're under me. Here's your business card, and notice it says Paul's assistant. He was a fellow servant. That means they're both servants, and they serve together. It's not an over-under thing. It's not a superior. It's the very thing that Paul would remind us. Make sure that we who are in leadership do not lord over those in our care. We're fellow servants. We do what we do together. We come alongside. There's not a necessity in that sense for there to be someone who's necessarily in charge. So there always is headship. Christ is the head. We try and all hear. And yes, I have my position and you have yours. But the emphasis is on serving. It's just simply being a servant of the Lord Most High. And that's what we should be. Because when you're a servant, you can do anything and you will do anything that comes to your attention as part of the body of Christ. I'm always amazed by who I see serving in children's ministry. You may not know it. We have doctors and lawyers and we have all kinds of people that in their daily work life, they're pretty high up there on the scale of human things. But because they love the Lord and serve the Lord, they're also okay changing diapers and holding babies and being with junior hires. And that's no easy task because junior hires don't know exactly what they are. They're sometimes adults and sometimes two-year-olds. They haven't quite figured it out yet. But what a beautiful picture of the body of Christ that is. Just faithful to serve. And wherever there is to serve, that's where you want to serve. Ask the Lord, where's your place to be faithful? As we begin to look at the sum and total of this. Paul simply gives us a couple of things that we can all do 
And when you think about Tychicus and his friend Omnisimus, as they gathered together, they basically had a, a similar ministry. They just simply wanted to encourage and inform. They wanted to encourage and inform. They said, look, here's a need. You know, when you travel out to the lobby and you, and you look at the missions board there, there's information there. Do you know why that's there? It's to inform you. Information. It's to inform you. It's to let you know about what's going on around the world. It's to give you an opportunity to pray, to practice, to preach, to empower, to provide. It's just information. But it's part of the function of the body of Christ. So that you'll know how to pray. These two men did that. Wherever they went, they simply said, Hey, did you know that the Apostle Paul's in prison? Man, we need to pray for him. My desk pad, if you look at it, I, I still, I'm one of those old school guys in a couple of areas. I'm pretty tech savvy, but I like an old-fashioned desk pad because I like to scribble on it. I have prayer needs on there and people's telephone numbers and just stuff that comes across my desk on a daily basis. And there's, maybe there's something that just happened. It's like, I'm going to write this because I want to pray about that. It's information. Someone brought me a piece of information and said, did you know? Here's what's going on. Can we pray for it? That's why it's important for you to be engaged here in the church. He just simply, in this case, wanted the Colossian saints to know his situation so that they could pray and be a partner. And yes, they provided as well. They took up gifts and and they blessed the Apostle Paul. They took care of his needs. You're doing that right now. A very large percentage of the ministries that we do, they're very uniquely and wonderfully taken care of by your faithfulness. Notice we don't have any giving campaigns. We don't do all that kind of stuff. We just simply say, Lord, whatever you want to do, would you just tell us what it is? And then because you're going to tell us what it is, would you also give us the resources to get it done? And so we just get it done. Because God has spoken and God has provided That's how those 31 churches got planted all over the world this year. That's what happened. The need came in. We prayed about the need. And the need was met. That's how God works. We need to be individually faithful for that to happen. Amen? That's all it takes. You hear from the Lord, and I hear from the Lord, and we hear from the Lord together, and we just go do what God's called us to do. It's a beautiful picture. Can I tell you that there's also a wonderful picture that's painted here because this man, Tychicus, was also a great follower. And the word disciple, at its root meaning, actually means follower. So it's okay to be a leader who's a follower. Don't forget that. You don't always have to be in charge. It's okay to be someone who simply follows. There may be times when you're going to be causing the the project to move forward. There are going to be times when you will be the one person who's in the lead. There will be times when I'll follow you. I have that privilege all the time. We, We rule here in this church, in essence, by a plurality of elders. Yes, at the end of the day, the buck stops at my desk. 
But there are times when it's Pastor Rob's plan or Pastor Pat's plan. Or maybe it's one of your plans. Maybe it's Jonan's plan or, or perhaps it's Connie's plan. Maybe there's some kind of plan that was put forward and we pray about it and we decide. And it's like, okay, well, this is your idea. So why don't you tell us all what we need to do? It's a wonderful thing. You see, because someone who's a true leader is not threatened by following. You know when someone else has gifts that are superior to yours, and you're okay coming alongside and underneath and saying, look, let's, let's let you lead this thing. Tychicus was like that. And the final thing as we wrap up this passage this morning, be an encourager. There's not a person here in this room that can't be an encourager. Did you know that? There's not one. Too many Christians, I think, use the perceived gift of discouragement. Uh, it's like they look, they're fault finders. They're nitpickers. They're people that nothing's ever right about anything. And it seems like their giftedness is to find out what's wrong with everything. Please don't be like that because it really discourages people. Be an encourager. Come alongside and just as Tychicus does. He says, Paul, I just want to be an encouragement to you. Let me lift up your hands. Let me carry that letter. That's what he was going to do. You see, sometimes it takes someone coming along and saying, hey, let's do it together. Let's go together. Let's do this thing. I'll go with you. You're not alone. That's the gift of encouragement. And it strengthens feeble hands. It lifts people up when they're in that place where the enemy maybe is beating on them. And so exercise frequently and often the gift of encouragement. You you never know how God's going to use you. So just be open to be used. And when people make mistakes, pray for them. Don't pick at them. When people have faults and weaknesses, remember you've got some too. You know, you get really gracious and really kind and really merciful when you realize you're not perfect. <laughs> Amen? So you could exercise that gift of encouragement. So, man, I, oh, man, if I look back on all the messes that I've ever made, I got no business talking to other people about theirs. I got enough of my own. Amen? Isn't that true for all of us? You see, so you can take up the, the, the wonderful gift of encouragement and come alongside somebody and say, look, let me help you. Let me go with you. It, it might be the strength that you show that gives them the strength to go. It, it might be the very thing that you come alongside them and say, look, I, I know you, you're afraid to do this by yourself, but let's do it together and see what the Lord does. Exercise as Sitchikas does the gift of encouragement. Take that information and use it to a godly end. Amen? Would you pray? Amen. Father, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for those who have encouraged us. And we want to be an encouragement. We want to be a blessing. And so, Lord, we pray now that you would help us to be exactly that. Lord, fill us with your spirit and anoint us for your plans and purposes. God, would you bless and touch 
And Lord, as we get to spend some time with a dear part of our family, Lord, would you bless these moments we have together, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.